Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm a senior editor at Light Reading. And I'm Phil Harvey. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. Hey, Phil, how's it going? Uh, going pretty well. Thanks. Good. Uh, so today on the podcast, we had David Hurd, the CEO of Infinera. Yes, and he gave us some updates on the CHIPS, is it the CHIPS and Science Act? Chips and Sciences Act. They pluralized science in uh, yes. in the in the legislation for some reason. Um, <laughs> Why probably not? because they did not run it by our copy desk. Um, but, <laughs> uh, so few things in the government actually make it to our copy desk. But uh, but yeah, yeah. He talked about um, you know because obviously Infinera is you know is a semiconductor company and they do a hundred percent of their semiconductor building <laughs> and they're you know a lot of their components are um, made in-house packaged in-house and between their facilities in california and pennsylvania uh, it's 100 um you know made in the usa and that's a a bigger deal now uh than, than it used to be and we, we get into that a little bit about why that's a big deal who the who the next competitor is in that space and then also um what efficiencies that affords Infinera as a as a uh, uh, optical transport systems company and also a subsystems company, um, you know, making pluggables and things like that. Like, like how does how does that pay off for them? So we talk mm -hmm. we talk a, a bit about that. Yeah, I thought we had an interesting discussion about um, just the focus on um, saving power and cost per bit and how that benefits the customer, but also how it fits into um, some of Infinera's sustainability goals. Uh, and then also discussed uh, how they're growing in different markets. Um, you know, they've been in India for quite a while. Um, so what's going on there? And we, we kind of ran the gamut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting because it's like we talked about both, you know, anytime you get a CEO uh, on a podcast, you want you definitely want to talk about new markets and new expansion and new growth, but also you know, what kind of the signals that they're paying attention to. And I think that's kind of where we ended up when we started our discussion about AI is it's like, yes, it is a new market for, for a lot of companies, but what does that mean to a, you know, a technology supplier like Infinera? And does all that activity have to happen in the data center? Is it ever going to spill out into the Metro network and just sort of what he was seeing with their customers? And, you know, a, a lot like, um, you know, a lot of other optical networking, uh, uh, technology companies now, you know, they're not just telco focused. They, they have uh, a large customer base that is in the hyperscale or cloud provider area. They call them, uh, internet content providers, ICPs. But, um, so they're getting, you know, uh, what do we call it? Market signals or sort of lots of customer data, uh, from not just telcos and, and traditional telecom operators, but all the other uh, facets of the food chain that would, uh, you know, drive the demand for bandwidth in its various forms. So, um, so yeah, yeah you definitely you had some definitely pay attention to that. Yeah, some interesting thoughts on um, how the web scalers are kind of driving um, things forward and the the AI trend. And but with that, I'll let him speak for himself, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and indeed. we'll go into the interview with David Hurd, CEO of Infinera. David Hurd, welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, good to see um, you. Yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, Phil spoke with you not too long ago about the Chips and Sciences Act, and I thought that might be an interesting place to start um, on 
you know, an update there, how things are going and, and, and some of the ways that it's impacted Infinera. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I've been doing this for 30 years and, and the government's been a client of mine, but never such a helper in terms of uh, <laughs> fundamental yeah. policy, uh, you know, going forward. So as we all know, in, in the networking world, you know, everything drives from kind of the Moore's law in the network and optical is no different. Um, an optical semiconductor, you know, drives the bulk of the material content in the network. And so the 57 billion that our U.S. government is laying out there is to incent semiconductor manufacturer. And what most people forget is that Infinera is a manufacturer and developer of advanced optical semiconductors. In fact, the only one in the U.S. Uh, that does that and our number one competitor for just creating the optical semiconductor, not just the system, is actually Huawei, state-sponsored in, uh, in China. So when the Department of Commerce and Senate and, and Congress and the White House uh, run into a company like Infinera, you, you can't fit any better into a USA-made secure supply chain, you know, people needing security of what they go do with the bill of materials here in the U.S., that's a nice fit for what we're doing. So we're working real close with the Department of Commerce and, and we have a fab here in the U.S. Uh, in, uh, in uh, Sunnyvale, California. We have our advanced packaging facility in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And we, uh, if you look over a 10-year horizon, you're talking about $2 billion worth of investment uh, that we're making. And every time we make that investment, right, and you improve the Moore's Law, people like AT&T and Verizon and Meta and uh, Microsoft and Amazon, they all benefit. So uh, we're excited, but uh, we, we know we have to have patience when it comes to uh, working with government policy. But we, we love the support. Right, because there hasn't been uh, an award announced to date. Um, and, and and this is actually true in a lot of the bead-related things. There's, there's quite a few um, uh, advanced discussions going on. Um, there's some There's some timetables that are sort of running out, you know, especially on the wireless side, there's, there's some investment that was supposed to have been made that, you know, like something like $33 million or something has to be done by the end of this year. And we still haven't had that announcement yet. So, um, so yeah, I, I think there's, there's a lot of anticipation for stuff to come. And I guess like what you say is, uh, you've, you've positioned your company well in that regard. There's really nothing more. <laughs> there's, it's a pretty, I, I would say it's an easy argument to make, but I think it's one that has to be continually explained because of the, the, uh, the nature of, uh, the complexity of what, what you're building, you know? Yeah, anytime you're talking to a senator and you have to pull out the periodic table, it's uh, <laughs> an interesting. Indium it's an interesting. Phosphide, <laughs> senator. Yeah, Indian phosphide, emitting <laughs> light. Uh, no, it, it, yeah, no, no, you don't it, breathe yeah. it. You don't breathe it. It's, it's, it's other stuff over here. <laughs> I think the good the good news there is it's all upside for us, and it only allows us to spin the wheel of innovation. We're quite convicted that our strategy of being an optical only company and making being vertically integrated by uh, making that optical semiconductor that's that's part of who we are it's our core competence we we invented the photonically integrated circuit so if it happens on the positive uh, hey, it could be huge upside for us and and for our customers more importantly uh, as we go so so um, uh, vertical integration's been quite the story for for Infinera the last uh, couple of years i mean mostly i guess i it's i know it's been done successfully in the long haul side has has that yeah. made its way to um 
all the other product lines like in the metro and 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 elsewhere yeah this is actually the the, the peak time for that it's a good question early on in the company's history when it was a 700 million dollar company primarily focused on long haul and subsea you know most of the products were vertically integrated mm -hmm. And as those capacities that we used to use in subsea and long haul started moving into the metro and ultimately to access, uh, guess what? You, you know, those same capabilities and Moore's law were required. And as the company got bigger, we're now, you know, uh, to the, uh, to the uh, midpoint of guidance for the end of the year, you know, we're, we're close to 1.6 billion over that period. So at that scale, we now have a metro line that's, a big portion of our business, close to 600 million of our business. And now this year is the first year we're introducing the uh, technology of our own vertical integration to go into the metro and ultimately into the edge and access uh, of the network. And um, uh, in the, you want to talk about the access, actually, that's a, that's a great one because that's, that's an area where um, I think Infinera said this and an analyst have certainly said that you've got, um, some market opportunities ahead in broadband access, uh, 5G networks and cable networks. Um, this, you know, it, it doesn't, uh, well, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. It does stem partly from hundred gig pluggables or the pl pluggables market. Um, but what else, what else is fueling, uh, you know, the, the optimism in the broadband access market? Yeah, well, as, as the subsea networks and, and long-haul networks are terabits and terabits, which we've always been uh, a leader in, as you get out to the metro, we're now, you know, we're in the, people say, what inning are we at 400 gig moving into the metro? And I kind of laugh, I forgive the baseball analogy, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm still getting beers and headed to my seats, <laughs> right? Like we, we really haven't hit that yet. And now you're seeing such huge access speeds, Um you know, I, I just got a new service at, at the house and, and they were offering up to uh, five gig, holy hell, Yeah. you know, access to the home. So when you see that happening here and, you know, in India and, and other places, you start to say, well, it's going to be hundred gig aggregation points at the edge, which used to be the long haul network. Um, so we see that as big. And so those pluggable technologies get you to the price performance power curve to get there. Right. And more importantly, you know, we've done something, you know, having been an X wireless guy and an X access guy, um, we put software on our pluggables and it allowed, allowed you to further subdivide those 100 gig channels uh, into uh, sub carriers, which basically in fancy terms means, you know, you basically have dynamic policy on the edge where I can light up only what I need on the edge. And instead of you know, in the radio world where you went, you know, one radio to many, you know, our, our self tower isn't just talking to you. It's talking to, to all of us. Sure. Um, optical was the only tech that, that it was point to point, laser to laser. And so now we've we've enabled into those standardized pluggables that can go 400 gig, 100 gig and ultimately the 800 gig pluggables, the ability to subdivide them so you can go point to multi point and. That sounds like a bunch of gibberish, you know, but in, in, in cellular, it was things like CDMA or Walsh pseudo noise coding that enabled you to subdivide yeah. uh, spectrum. Uh, there's no reason why you've been in this dance long enough to see those technologies go from wireless to, you know, fixed and fixed to wireless. So it, that will happen. There's no doubt. And that saves our operators huge power 
and uh, huge operating costs, which, you know, I've been talking about power for 30 years, but in the last two, the curve of importance is like a triple black diamond uh, yeah. ski slope. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, th- th- that's a great point. Yeah. Cause it's, it's definitely on the, um, it, it, as, as carriers are getting more and more, uh, I guess, cost conscious of their networks, you know, that that's becoming a larger and larger point. Uh, you know, it's not just the bill of materials and labor and everything else. It's like, oh yeah, also the price of power is skyrocketing and I, need, I need to catch this, especially if I'm going to be, you know, serving more customers and sending them multiple gigs to their homes. Um, yeah. so, so you, you mentioned this in so, so many words, the, the open XR, uh, uh, we call it forum or sort of yeah the, it's open xr forum correct yeah so yeah. this is sort of like a, a an affiliation of companies that are sort of buying into this architecture that you spoke about point to multi-point um or sorry multi-point to multi-point right um, yeah so you can do both point to point and point to multi-point okay. flexible architecture flip yeah. it on when you need it but, but, yeah. but giving but giving the access network and those kind of aggregation points that flexibility in order to so you know it both makes the um it both simplifies the, I guess, the routing and the the bandwidth delivery, but it also protects the upside investment for the uh, for the network operator. Um, yeah, you know, how many times have we been in a particular technology group where there's a the kind of the war of architecture, um, right? The religious war of is it going to be GSM or is it going to be AMPs or you know what's going to be the approach? In optical, the big thing people are talking about today is. Um, is it a routed optical network or do you still have purpose-built optical gear? Quite frankly, I, I don't care. You know, we're going to build the world's <laughs> best transponder and a pluggable and make it super easy to put in a compact modular platform and have software to be able to operate it in either case. And that's the, anytime, you know, there's been a successful strategy in a, in a, in a technology company, you know, you can make that one bet. But we all know how operators and ICPs work. It, it's never one answer. It's a it's a sprinkle of both, and both for us leverage on that vertical integration. Same vertical integration for us. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. They both uh, both ends up in the same place. But I. But yeah, seeing pluggables moving into the metro network and you know and broadband access, I think is a is a big it's a big deal because that is that is the key differentiating factor now for. I mean, it is for residential broadband, but we're seeing it on. Um, you know, the enterprise side as well, that it's not just, um, you know, they're, they're talking about, you know, multi-gig speeds, obviously, but they're also talking about, uh, having those multi-gig speeds so that they can offer layers of SLAs and things like that, you know, and do additional processing at the enterprise site and, and back and forth. So it's like in either direction, there's no, uh, or in either market, there doesn't seem to be a, uh, an argument that we're just going to continue to go more and more gigs to the home or to the business. And of course that's going to, you know, change the, the, the structure of the Metro network that's sort of moving all of this around. Yeah. That agility is like super key and the ability to be able to do that. You know, we can key you can key license activation at 25 gig increments at the edge and do the matching principle, you know, to use an accounting term of cost to your revenues and be super fast. And not have to roll, you know, in the old days, roll the truck, put the put the ladder around the side of the white truck and, and let it rip. Um, those days uh, will be numbered. Uh, Kelsey, before I, I keep going, do you want uh, do you want to jump in or do you have something uh, that, that I missed? Yeah, I was curious. Um, you you mentioned India earlier. Um, 
what are, how are you expanding there? What are some new opportunities in that area and some other geographies that you're excited about right now? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, we, we've always had since early, since the company was founded in, in 2000, um, we've always had an operation, a core R and D operation in India. It's now almost a third of our workforce, um, and core R and D, you know, going all the way through, not just go new system test. And so if you think about that, we're investing over a hundred million dollars a year, actually in infrastructure development in India and over a we, I was just there last year where we celebrated our 20th year uh, in the company. So think of that. That's like $1.4 billion we've put in. It's never been a market for us that, that we've reaped the benefit of that investment. And I was just in India. Literally, I landed on Friday uh, of last week. I was there all week with all the operators. And the interesting thing is with the number of data centers going up and 800 million subscribers, the number of technology companies developing technology there. Um, it's attracting huge, and by the way, the routes on, on subsea cables and traffic that they're trying to route around nefarious territories, um, and you know, even you know, with conflicts going on, um, that's happening more and more. And so the likes of the Googles and Microsofts, all the web scalers, are a helping build out those data centers. So you're going to see huge data center growth in India, and the cables going in there are growing. And both of those are big businesses that require having an optical semiconductor and system that gets Moore's law and drives the power uh, and price. So I'm the most excited I've been about the prospects, you know, of the operators like Geo and Baharthi and, and others, along with, you know, the cooperations those companies have with the web scalers who we have grand relationships with and have made grand progress over the last um, three years. Yeah. Your percentage, not to change the subject completely, but your percentage of revenue coming from those companies, uh, you call them ICPs, internet content providers, web scanners. Yeah. It's all, all the same. I think, um, it is there that's gone to like a third of revenue or something like that, or it's a large piece. Yeah. It's pretty close. Yeah. It's pretty close. And they tend to be lumpy, but you know, even, when I look at last year, a lot of people talk about AI and ML, right? That, by the way, I think that's the, the only way you get your share price up in these days is you read. <laughs> I'd like to I was read say, those are the, right now. Yeah, Infinera yeah, AI. Sure. What do you say? <laughs> call it XRAI. XRAI, yeah. Throw money but, at it, yeah. But, but I mean, having those companies as, your, as, as key customers are a key portion, you know, I mean, obviously they have some of the same uh, and maybe more aggressive bandwidth demands as yeah. uh, carriers, but it also, you know, when we, when we have these sort of issues where there's like, uh, you know, a, a lack of investment for a while in telecom or people are kind of burned out on the 5g story and, you know, the, the stocks are down and things like that. It's like having that diverse customer set and then being diverse internationally in terms of your, uh, market opportunities uh, certainly helps. Super important. And I, I think the architectures move faster. You know, in the old days of 15, 20 years ago, when you dealt with the large CSPs, just the back office and things took so long. And I think the web scalers even put pressure on those operators because they're interfacing in many cases with the network to rethink how they do things. And so the speed of innovation yeah. with those web scalers um, you know, you can listen to a, a small handful of those folks, right? The top six and seven drive the 
huge portion of traffic growth that isn't just in the revenues we get from them, but actually translates into these kind of managed fiber optic networks all over the planet. And that's in India and the Philippines and, you know, all over the place in these consortium subsea deals, as well as um, interconnects between data centers that they're, you know, they're cooperating on a global basis on. Yeah. You know, one, one thing that's interesting to that effect, back to not to tie you to the Chipsack piece, but the other thing that's been a, a, a positive uh, that I've seen over the last 18 months is just how absolutely um, alarmed and, and, and uh, proactive they're being in terms of not just supply chain because don't want to run out of parts again. That was a nightmare. Um, but in the vert- given we're vertically integrated, we had a much easier time with the supply chain. Still was expensive for parts we didn't want to get or we wanted to get sooner. But the, the web scalers that are landing this sensitive traffic are really putting pressure on their suppliers to say, where do you get stuff? And not only your stuff, but then where do, where do you source parts? Yeah. And, and so this idea of a true secure governments aren't going to allow traffic to hit networks with, you know, too many active components coming from places they don't trust. That, that, that's the interesting thing too, is that it's not, it's not just the individual company stances, you know, can kind of be uh, harder or soft line depending on the company and the makeup and the board and all that stuff. But it actually comes down to what governments do they want to do business in? Where do they want to put their facilities? And with data centers, you know, you have to be, you, you have to be everywhere. So you can't, you, you know, you can't uh, afford to be like, well, yeah, you know, Iceland's being a bit prickly. We're going to leave them alone, you know, <laughs> or something like that. So, so it's, it's um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. So, so yeah, I guess they have to get their, uh, their story straight on suppliers all the way, you know, not just suppliers, but their suppliers and so on. Um, Growing trend. Yeah. It's you an interesting more and more of this. Yeah. Um, in the, in the, let's see if I, uh, just let me think about, oh, listen, I mean, okay. Not to turn this into an AI discussion entirely, but it does, it does influence, are you, I, I can't imagine you're tired of talking about it being a CEO of a publicly traded company and everything. <laughs> I, I don't like to cheapify it. Right. Meaning, you know, I'll tell you what I really think AI and, and well, yeah, I mean, it, either way it's causing, it's putting more bits on the network. So yeah. I, the question that I have is. You know, we're hearing all the activity around NVIDIA and some, you know, and so much of the processing and kind of, um, uh, you know, bandwidth, if you will, between between servers and in the servers themselves and just sort of the mm-hmm. compute load that's happening and all that. What I guess I'm unclear on is, is does the next kind of bottleneck for that or the next uh, demand spike happen? Is that still just going to be in the data center or is it going to be, does that spill out into, you know, the, the wider area network at some point? And do you guys kind of track that as a, as, uh, is it even possible to track what's, what's due to AI and what's due to just everything else? You know, to some extent, Phil. Yeah. So, so to it, and it isn't one, one begats the other in biblical terms, right? right. It's, it's, they're going to happen and it's going to happen simultaneously, really, because once you it's like Medcalf's law, right? The more people you put on the network, um, you know, the more traffic that's going to grow by M squared. And then if you put thicker, if we move from 4K to 8K. Well, look, look what happens. Well, AI, you know, you've heard, you know, payloads go up eight to 10 times in, in, in inside 
the data center. All I can tell you, Phil, is when I look at my top customers uh, so far for 23 and even for 22, um, the web scalers that we're dealing with were early adopters into the AI payload. And so what that means is when I look at my original forecasts and new forecasts, any exceeding of expectation from the web scalers, actually, I, I take some attributing to that AI uh, workloads going. Um, number two, don't forget where we actually get down to the granular level of making photonically integrated circuits. So inside the data center, at a certain point in time and a certain speed, um, you know, you're using Ethernet technologies to connect a GPU, you know, a processor eating this stuff really, really hungry mm -hmm. to the rest of the network. Well, you've heard of co-packaged optics, linear drive. There's all kinds of technologies optically now uh, that those companies like AMD and NVIDIA are looking to to make sure they get more through the processor with less thermal impact, lowering again that that power envelope. Uh, for what they go do. So um, one, we're going to see it in the macro business. It's just going to be a continued driver uh, for the next 10 years. I was skeptical, you know, with SDN and NFV and all the, 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 uh, uh, the, or the acronyms we've used over the years that we're going to be the next big pop. Right. But I'll tell you, you know, the move from standard definition to high definition TV and those formats and video had a huge impact. I think AI I, I see it when I see it in purchase orders, I'm a believer. Okay. <laughs> and so outside the network, I've seen it in purchase orders. I think right. the company does have capability to help that in future generations. But it, is Inside. there a possibility you're going to be more, I guess, you'll, so you'll be more active in the data center? Will you be having, you know, specific products or subsystems that are targeted to data center applications? Or Yes. Yeah, we, we are, you know, we already do out, you know, between data centers and, and now we're more active um, both on our behalf because nobody really realized we were a component supplier and that we had our own fab in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, that that has had bigger play. And so we've actually had some of those players come to us and say, could you do X, Y, and Z? Now, I'm not making a big deal of those in today's external market because as we open the discussion with, nobody's really valuing companies, uh, you, you know, with, with that kind of potential today. Right. Um, but it is an area that's part of our strategy and we are investing towards the, that front. Cool. And now Kelsey will ask you some questions about crypto. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, I, I know everything about that. Okay. No, I'm <laughs> uh, what I was curious about is, you know, you mentioned a few times we talked a little bit about um, reducing costs for customers and also, um, you know, a focus on power consumption. Uh, how does all of that kind of tie into Infinera's sustainability goals? Are you focused on, uh, you know, renewable energy um, sources and, um, you know, it's, it does seem kind of like a win-win to uh, for the customer to be able to, you know, reduce that power load um, and also meet some of those sustainability goals as well. Yeah, it's actually nice when social responsibility aligns with what you have to deliver in a commercial value proposition. Right. So, yeah. you know, it, we've been doing that inherently for, for years. You know, every generation I can look at the, you know, power per bit, cost per bit. Uh, all the way through, and we're doing things more effectively. So look, we're aligned with the CHIPS Act to the Build in USA and Be Secure, and we're aligned with the ESG initiatives that obviously as a publicly traded company, we, you know, we're rated 
uh, on that. And, you know, last year we, we even won uh, this XR technology, this product of, of having uh, point to multipoint on a 400 gig plug that can be point to point and then be set uh, point to multipoint. Deutsche Telekom gave us their, their green product of the year award. So it's becoming so important in tenders uh, when you're answering tenders uh, in Europe and around the world where the, it's just table stakes. So it, it is nice we got a head start because that's what we have to do to win anyway. But yeah. it allows us to look at secondary and tertiary impacts uh, from an ESG standpoint as well. Yeah, that's good to hear. Like you said, it is nice when when those two things align um, the the business aspect with the uh, sustainability. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. You want to leave well, it there? Phil, did you have anything else? Uh, not at the moment. I think I think the the only other yeah the only other thing I don't think he can even comment on would be just the the just to bring it full circle is is timing around uh you know the uh government funding or any any potential um, sort of recognition you know from that. I I don't know if there's anything published that says things have to be done by a certain date or whatever, at least on that front. So I think the way I think, let me tell you the way I think about it. So I, I, I think that, you know, originally it was, Hey, can, can things get kind of awarded and out there at the end of this year? Hey, look, you, you understand how governments work. I think likely next year is the year where, you, you know, you learn about, you know, kind of the winners and, and, and maybe the folks that, that weren't able to, to leverage uh, the chips act. So I can see that happening next year. You know, I think that, um, again, for us, that's just additional, you know, we've got a core mission strategy we're executing. It's all around what you talked about of continuing in the long haul and subsea because those are going to grow. They're growing like crazy. Yeah. I mean, the statistics on how many subsea cables and pairs and how much fiber you can wrap the globe with, you know, with every year that's deployed, that's, that's going to continue to go. And there might, there's, you know, sputters right now you see of capital spending but back to where we opened this market you know we we've grown it since 2018 at 14% as a network infrastructure company that that's phenomenal so you know i think people forget that this stuff in order to have ai and have you know mobile phones and have 8k tv and what's going to be the next version you need network and it's getting harder and harder to do I mean, it doesn't get easier. And if you don't own your own chipset and you don't have the ability to make that, one, it makes it easier for it to work, but two, it's it's the only way for the economics to work. So, you know, I think overall people forget that as they see things going. So I think between the, you know, yes, support of chips is great, but I think the foundation of where the network's going, it's never been more important on the fiber optic network. I mean, wireless is almost, you know, there, there's a huge dependency yeah. on the fiber optic network. And now that, you know, when I heard in India, uh, companies talking about putting 300 million lines of fiber to the home with up to gig speeds in India, right? You, you just start to do the math. And, and again, you start to say, wow, what does that enable? Yeah. And so, look, I think we're in a there's no way to, for me to explain AR stock valuation or <laughs> anybody else's in, in, in today's world. Yeah. But I do know the, the need on the network will be there. And if you can do it economically and continue to expand your EPS, it's a pretty good idea. 
I think we can leave it right there. Thank you so much, David Hurt, for uh, being on the Light Reading Podcast. Yeah, no, thank you guys. I assume you guys are hearing some interesting stories nowadays, yeah? For sure. Yeah, yeah, always. (laughs) 